right, guys, welcome to episode two of Triple T Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. I'm Tyson. I'm Tucker. And we are joined today by a special guest, Matt Peters, owner and operator of Bullseye Pheasant Hunting. Um, Matt, introduce yourself, buddy. Matt Peters, owner, uh, owner, as well as my wife, of the uh, Bullseye Pheasant Preserve. So we're uh, we're we're really excited to have you in here today. Um, we're going to go through the week of <laughs> we've all had a pretty different week. So we're going to go through that. We're going to talk about some things that happened this week, and then we're going to get back to Matt. And we're going to talk about a lot of things with his business. We're going to talk about beginning to end or beginning to present, not end of bullseye pheasant preserve and duck hunting and then um we're gonna get into a little bit of what to expect if you sh- if you book a hunt with them let's uh we're gonna talk about that and then uh then when did I get out of here man so uh let's uh dyson i don't need to start with you how's your week bud uh good i had five straight days of uh guiding hunts at bullseye sounds um, exhausting yeah i am drained i'm ready for two days off <laughs> Oh, man. What about you, Tucker? I'm good. Um, uh, just got done 45 minutes ago with guiding a duck hunt. Um, Your hand okay? Yeah. You've been crying uh, like a big yeah. baby for the last 30 <laughs> minutes about that hand. Yeah, I had a duck uh, come into duck blind and try to attack me. I had to deflect it with my right hand, about broke my thumb. Yeah, broke your thumb. Yeah, so after Whatever. you shot it, it, it fell. It was as far oh, as this guy. A, a yeah. dead duck. Yeah, dead, yeah. <laughs> I shot it. It's a screaming missile. It was coming back for vengeance because I shot it, and it, yeah. it's coming at me. But, uh, yeah, other than that, it's cleaning a lot of birds, doing some duck hunts. Yeah, Saturday was. There was a lot of birds. I mean, I'm. this is kind of my first year doing this stuff with uh, working with Bullseye um saturday was there was a lot of birds i don't is that that's pretty normal matt for a busy day oh yeah yeah a little over 300 i think is what we uh, put out that day to shoot yeah i i i was not i was not proud of myself with the bird counts and i had a pretty bad showing of (laughs) of help we'll say that um not really pleased with myself but we'll get better friday saturday sunday how many birds we kill um i believe it was a little over 600 600 birds that's that was huffing it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Is this all birds that you've incubated? Or are these birds? For, for the most part, except for the chuckers and the quail, we do not raise our chuckers and quail. No, gotcha. Is it just that, uh, uh, are they cheaper to buy? Or is it just bigger pain? Well, but? if basically with the feed costs and stuff, we're not sure whether they're going to be cheaper to yeah, buy. Yeah. But uh, actually, if you raise your own birds, you're cutting you're cutting out a step, so you're cutting out the middleman, gotcha. so to speak. And uh, so I believe it's it is cheaper. It is cheaper. Plus, you have the controlling. You can control how many birds that you can raise, or as if you buy your birds, if something happens to your contractor's birds, you may not get get the birds that you asked for. I never even thought about it that way. It's like you're, well, you're at the mercy of the supplier. Yeah, the, the reason he doesn't raise the chucker and quail is this, he's maxed out with yeah. pheasants right now. Pheasants and ducks, yeah, yeah they just maxed out. out. You're out. Oh, you raise ducks too? Yes, yeah, oh. those, we those buy, ducks. We, are, we buy them as day olds. Day olds. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, I didn't know that. Yep. There's a there's a lot of ducks in there. <laughs> we're we're thinning them out, but yeah, I'd imagine they're going to get really hard to catch. Yep, they're already getting harder to catch. <laughs> They're wising up to the to your game. <laughs> yeah, you guys change your strategies every weekend. 
All right, let's get on with uh, this week. Tucker, how was your week? Oh, I've had better. I've had better weeks. Uh, last Wednesday, I went deer hunting. Had a pretty nice buck in front of me, broadside. I couldn't ask for a better shot. 15, 20 yards. I stuck him. Arrow went three, clean pass through. I was, I was. It went a little higher than what I would have liked, but it, I thought it would still be a deadly shot. Good blood. I, good blood. I went. I uh, called dad. Told him I shot, shot the deer. Waited a little bit. I, I watched him circle clear around me. He ran, took off running, cl- ran clear around me. Stopped, licked his wound, and then ran towards me ten yards, and then ran over a little little slough, and I lost sight of him. That's when I started calling, called dad first because he was deer hunting. I wanted to let him know. And then after afterwards, I got out of the box blind, <clears throat> and I went and checked my arrow to see how good a blood it was. Bright pink blood. I, it looked, it, everything screamed lungs to me. Yeah. It had, had bubbles, had bright red blood, clean pass through, arrow deployed. I'm like, this is a dead deer. So we gave so him a... Did you call him? When did you call me? How many... You called how many people? Well, you call me. I called quite a bit. Yeah. You called me, and I'm like, "Why are you calling me about? It? I gotta work." <laughs> I Two called, o'clock in the morning. I called you. When, was you sleeping or anything? <laughs> no, I was sitting on my couch watching. Oh, I was watching something. Oh, I just wanted to let you know because yeah, no, we were right. talking. We were talking about deer hunting. I was, I was pretty excited. I was ready to put my my jammies on and come out and help you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it mattered. Seven guys showed up. Yeah, so. yeah. We had a small I, army. <laughs> as soon as I got home, I was only I I was only home. I think I showered and changed my clothes, and so I was only home for twenty minutes. I got the phone call and I. Put the boots back on and headed to Tucker's to help him track this deer. Honorin wasn't too happy. <laughs> She's a little disappointed. She only saw me twenty minutes that day. <laughs> um, uh, what got out of the duck blind or the box blind? Jeez, I'm in, I'm in bullseye mode. Yeah, you're you're we're deer hunting right now. Yeah, like we're not duck. Hunting. I got out of the blind. I I end up calling you, dad or dad first. I think you next. I called Spencer. I called Ryan. I called you, Tyler. Mm-hmm. I think that's about it. We gave him an hour. We let him sit for an hour because usually, I mean, that's pretty good time. Just be cush, just be right. Just yeah. Be, uh, yeah. And went up to the house, sat for an hour, waited on everybody to get there. Seven people end up showing up. Riker, I called Riker. Um, we went and looked for him. Everything screamed lungs. We trapped him for tracked him for probably a hundred yards or more. Um, this is solid blood trail. You're, solid. You're, you're blood. tracking this blood trail more than a hundred yards. Solid blood. I mean, it looked like somebody took a five gallon bucket and what, every time he stopped, took a five gallon bucket and just dumped blood out on the ground. I'm like, this is a dead deer. I mean, it's gonna be laying right here. It, We're gonna it find was it. running in delirious. It yeah. wasn't even going a straight lines. It was it was almost going like figure eights over Loops. over itself. Yeah. It was kind of confusing because we were, it was in the dark and we were almost crossing over the blood trail over and over again. <clears throat> and at one point, we did get confused and backtracked it probably 50 yards. Yeah. Um. Anyways, it went down over a little slough and like another. 15 yards was a was a creek, a little still water creek. And Tappan's letting out water right now, or was at the time. I don't know if they still are. The water was high, and it was flowing fast. The only thing I can – the blood dried up, didn't, never found it from that point on. The only thing I can figure is it jumped in that creek because deer like to go to water whenever they get shot. Mm. Jumped in that creek and tried to cross – 
maybe didn't die in the died in the creek or drowned one or the other and floated off. That's did you go back in the daytime and look for this? We we looked yeah. for. When did you when did you call it that night when you found the the creek? Uh, we were out there till ten thirty. Well, after all seven of us gave up, yeah. then we brought in a bloodhound. Yeah. So and it was probably nine o'clock, nine thirty, when the uh, when the bloodhound came. Um. Yeah. So I would say ten. Yeah. Ten. Ten thirty. We were we were done, and we we're like, well, we'll find it in a daylight because so much bleeding, so so much. So we uh, look went back. It was pretty foggy that morning. I wanted that fog to clear up. We we went back probably nine thirty. This is Thursday morning. This Thursday morning. Oh, Thursday morning. The fog was so thick. Yes. You so can cut it with a knife. Yeah. It was thick all the way, almost to halfway through New York. Yeah. Well, it was thick until like noon. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just... Like I was going to Connecticut that day and it was it was so thick for so long. I hate driving in the fog. It's terrifying. Yeah. And we looked, me and my mom, my mom helped me look that morning. Never, never found nothing. We looked for all in total... We looked for probably six hours. We even brought Tyson's drone and just flew flew around maybe looking for it. Tyson would have a drone. Yeah. Yeah, have a long-range drone. It's pretty fly. awesome. Like two miles. At 60 at. miles an hour. Yeah, and, at 60. And <laughs> yeah. And he even flew the creek down the creek, try to see if maybe it got snagged up on yeah. something and we'd be able to see it. Never, never found it. We looked for probably five, six hours. Yeah. Well... It doesn't sound like you gave up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you, you exhausted every single possible option you could have. You tracked it for hours during the night. You gave it time to die. Yeah. Number one. You you tracked it. You got multiple people to help you. Then whenever you decided that you weren't getting anywhere, you got a bloodhound in. Yeah. Then you waited till the next day. You tried everything. And I, as soon as I shot my deer, dad ended up calling me. Saying he shot he shot a deer as well, so I'm thinking two deer. Dad, you want to tell your story? Are you shooting your deer? Well, it was uh, it was basically textbook. I mean, the, the deer came in and made a scrape within my sight. Walked right down. You watched it make a scrape. Watched it make a scrape. Hmm, Probably watched it uh, five minutes, and then it walked right down right in front of me. Completely any, open area. Did it have any idea you was there? It had no idea I was there. When it walked in front of me, it did catch me moving, pulling the bow up. And when I pulled the bow up, it froze. And I couldn't find the rascal in my scope. <laughs> so at that point, I was starting to panic because it was longer than normal that a buck would freeze when it, saw, when, when it sees somebody. And uh, luckily f- enough, I did find it in the scope and made a good shot on it. How far was it? It was, uh, I want to say, 25 yards. It was, it was fairly close. Yep. And uh, luckily enough, we made a sh- heart shot on it. It made it about 100 yards. We looked for my deer first, then we went, then we switched to his. Yep. Did you see any other deer? I did. I saw uh, actually a trophy buck just a few minutes before. It was a real wide, dark horned buck. And the wind changed as he was coming right to me. And uh, the game was over. <laughs> he snuck out the back door. Did he, he didn't get that. Did he snort? Stupid. He did not snort. I mean, he just stopped. He, he knew something was up. Knew something was up and snuck right back out where he came from. Hmm. 
this buck that you killed, um, I seen it for the first time. Um, what was it Friday night? Yeah, it was been Friday night. It's way processed it. Yeah. Yeah. It's um uh, you you didn't think it was very big. Whenever I seen it, it wasn't it wasn't wider than the ears, but I thought it was pretty tall. It it was a tall buck. Um I knew that we're gonna be doing a pile of pheasant hunting over the next uh, several months. So my chances of getting back to the deer woods was gonna be pretty minimal. So I thought I might as well uh, capitalize on the excellent shot that I had. There ain't nothing wrong so, with that. And we had we had somebody to take the meat, Tyler and Tyson. Definitely wasn't going to go to waste. Definitely wasn't no. to waste, yeah. Yeah, no. I called, when we went, got ready to process it, I called Tyler and asked him to help us on, in exchange for some of the meat. So he jumped on that. Yeah, I've never had deer steaks or any anything like that. Um, what would you think? It smelled weird. Smelt weird, huh? Well, it didn't taste how'd you, bad. How'd you cook it? Just just fry it? I just fried it. Garlic, did you salt and pepper. Season it? You season it? Garlic, salt and pepper. Garlic, salt and pepper. Hmm. That's it. That's what I do in all my steaks. Garlic, salt and pepper. And then uh, I pan seared it. You know. You never had deer before that? No, I've never had deer. Wow. Um, I've had deer burger, but it was like, you know, mixing like lasagna or something. Yeah. Did it smell? Well, yeah, you did it with me too. You know? Yeah. But it's like raw. Whenever I picked it up, I'm like, okay, I need to... I need to smell this. I need to know. I need to, you know, see it, smell it. It's really like bright red. Dark, dark red is what it, the only way I can explain it. And it smelled different. Like not, I mean, it's hard to ex- even explain in words, but it just smelled like a deer. Didn't taste bad. Hmm. Tasted well, great. Tasted well, I, medium. It was a buck. I mean. Bright. And, and we're getting closer to rut. I mean, they're, they're getting all nasty and uh, rutted up. I mean, uh, younger, younger deer, more tender, to obviously deer. tender and better tasting. Yeah. yeah, I would, I would prefer a doe, obviously over a over a buck. <clears> absolutely, a, a doe is better eating than tasting better than a buck. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that that's when I I picked up the raw the raw meat and I just you just smelled it and I thought, okay, that's I guess that's what deer smells like. That's funny that you said it smelled smelled weird, um, because. Uh, the first time that my wife had deer, I'm a quick story. <laughs> the first time that my wife had deer, I, I was last year and I, we got some deer and processed it and I brought it home and I was, I carried in a bunch of meat and I set it on the floor. It was in, a, in bags and in a box and I had to go back outside to do some work. And I said, here's deer meat. Um, I'm, I'll be right back. And I was going outside for like a half an hour, 45 minutes and I come back inside and my wife was eating some of it. She already cooked and was eating some of it. And she said, I, I never, uh, I've never had deer before. I said, oh, yeah? He said, do you like it? She goes, uh, yeah. It kind of tastes like rat. <laughs> <laughs> I said, rat? She said, yeah. Don't you think it tastes like rat? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I never had rat before. Remind. <laughs> I remember just from the last episode. My wife's from Thailand, so they they uh, this rat that's in the rice patties there, and she says it tastes like that rat. I, Is it I like don't know. A, so like it's kind of like a muskrat or a nutra rat, right? Yeah, gotcha. of some sort. So it's not like a New York City yeah, rat. Yeah, it's not a rat. Was this rat. a buck that she was eating too? 
No, it was a doe. No. Yeah. But I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to go out and kill a, kill a muskrat or a rat? I don't want to eat a rat. <laughs> no. <laughs> Everything tastes good if you put it in a stew, though, right? That's right. <laughs> Cook the heck out of it. Get some beans in there. Well, at least you guys got some action this week. You know, with, with the weather the way it's been, it's been so off and on, so crazy for, what is this, first week in November. I think the average temperature this week has been like 60. It's been insane. Yeah. And now they're talking about a hurricane down in Florida in the middle of November. Again? Yeah. Jeesh. I this, didn't is, hear about uh, that. this is not typical. Usually, I mean, all the leaves have fell off the trees, and we haven't even seen a, an ounce of snowfall yet. This is... It hasn't even got below freezing yet, has it? No. We've only seen like maybe half a frost. Yeah, it hasn't even really had a frost yet. No. Which kind of makes it hard for you guys whenever you're out there, you know, putting birds out. I mean, brush isn't even breaking down yet, is it? No. Not really. And the temperature is just too warm to work the dogs. Yeah, dogs yeah. get overheated. Birds want to run. The dogs can't smell them that well. The cover stays too thick. It's it's making our job a lot harder. Our days a lot harder and longer. I know looking at the month ahead forecast, it looks like uh, it's going to kind of be this way for a little while. I mean... Looking at 40s next week, and then we're not saying snowfall not till December. <laughs> so it's a little crazy. Well, I high. just I just saw that the next uh, 10 day forecast is high high in the four, 40s. So mm-hmm. it, that's some promising weather coming up yeah. for us. At least it's not muddy. Yeah, I I did say that the other day too. Yeah. Uh, if we have to deal with the hot weather, at least it's not we're slopping around in the mud. Yeah, yeah, that's a good good way to look at it. Glass half full kind of guy. Yeah, there you go. That's what I like. So um, I want to get into this. I want to get into bullseye. Okay, um, Matt, I want I want to ask you a couple questions along the way. But and the biggest question of all is for me is why? Why would you? What made you want to start bullseye? Well, I did have a job that I didn't like to do. Mm-hmm. That was the main thing. That's what really motivated me more than anything, that I had to do something different. And I was sitting uh, coon hunting with a friend at one time, and I mentioned to him that I wanted to start a deer preserve. But the deer preserve, the front money was astronomical, With uh, which we had four kids at home at the time. That really, you know, with the amount of money that it took for startup costs, it was just wasn't feasible at the time. I'd imagine you have to have a lot of land, too, for that. A lot of land. I mean, 100 acres is not very much for a deer preserve. Yeah. So we decided, or the, the, the guy that I was with that evening, he said, why don't you start a pheasant preserve? So I thought, that sounds like a pretty good idea. You can, We started actually opened the business on a shoot on a shoestring it was very cheap to get started all we had to do is fill out all the red fill in all the red tape get the licenses and uh we were able to get started within four or five months of when we decided to do it got all the licenses and uh, everything we needed to do and uh started out with a, a 10 10 by 20 clubhouse it was basically a lawnmower shed is what we started in and uh, that's that's basically how we got started. How'd you start with getting clientele? Like, was it you just started well, getting you know, the word out there? That's really hard. But 
really, but you know, we had a website made. This is 2004, right? 2004. So the there's website, no Facebook. There's there, no Twitter. There was none. There was none of that then. But uh, to be honest about it, the word of mouth is the, your best advertisement. Mm-hmm. So when when guys would come, if they had a good time, they would pass the word on to their friends, and then it dominoed effect from there. What was the What's the hardest part about starting? All the unknowns. Yeah, I mean, you don't know. You don't. Is it going to make it? Is the business going to go? Is it? Is customer or are customers going to come? It's just there's no guarantee. There's no there. guarantees. Yeah, I just to add on to what he said uh, when we started. It just had like one small chicken wire pheasant pen, one dog, one four wheeler, and you know, fast forward to today, <laughs> we have two and a half acres under net. I think six, six or seven four wheelers, twenty five dogs. Uh, so how big is your building? Forty by sixty lodge. Forty yeah. by sixty uh, clubhouse. Now I think so it's it, sweet. It's, it's, I, every time I walk in there, it's like you're walking to like the. I don't know, you Cabela's. You, yeah, I was just about to say the first time you ever go to Cabela's, you're like, whoa, look at all the taxidermy. Yeah, that is what it's like walking in there. It's That's awesome. Basically, what inspired <clears throat> us to set that up because I. I've gone to Cabela's before, and I remember the first time I go in there, you see all the mounts all over the walls and yeah. stuff, and it's like a wow factor. It's, so we decided to do that in our clubhouse. It's also a good icebreaker. I mean, people come, where'd you shoot this deer? Where'd you shoot this alligator? Where'd you yeah. shoot this bear? I mean, then you have stories you could tell them, and then it compounds from there, and it kind of breaks the ice, and you get yep. to know people better. Some stories you get tired of hearing. Some some stories you do, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that you get tired of hearing my stories. I don't think it's the stories. I think it's exaggerations. Uh, no. <laughs> well, so I'm trying to wrap it. In, in this day and age, to have the guts to drop what you're doing, not necessarily drop what you're doing, but go and, and just start your own business. And in, in 2004, it's not very easy to do that, especially with, the fear of the unknown is a an, an ass kicker. I'm just going to say it. I said it in the beginning, I think the intro episode, I said the worst part for me is the fear of the unknown. And uh, I, I I think I commend you for that because I, I absolutely enjoy coming there. I, I would come there and work if you guys didn't pay me. I don't care. It's don't fun. Say, don't say that too loud. All no. right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love coming there. I love hanging out with you guys. So I guess what I'm getting at here is is for you guys to be able to do that is awesome. And I hope that this thing just continues to compile and get bigger and bigger and bigger because the whole situation out there is incredible. Well, that's I'm honored that you even say that. But... Uh... You know, whenever we we did start it, we didn't just like stick our necks out and stop doing everything else and just put. I I did work two other jobs when I was doing this when we started. Two two other jobs. I worked uh, Monday through Friday, six to two thirty. Two thirty, I would change clothes, and go to work right directly after that. And then Saturday and Sunday, we ran the pheasant preserve. So it was seven days a week. Basically, three, no days three off. jobs, no days off. So what what was your jobs? What? Um, I was a supervisor in a 500-man a five, machine shop. 
then and then in the evenings i would put shoes on horses so it's called a farrier so we would do that so we could make ends meet while we were getting the business going do you remember the very first time you did um boy that's a lot of hunts ago yeah but do you remember (laughs) the first dog i do i do with the the first the uh, first dog we ever had was a German German short hair that one of my horseshoeing customers gave me, and uh, we we actually it was not broke, so we actually got it going. What was the dog's name? You remember that? Yes, I do. Her, her name was Laredo. I do Laredo. remember that. And Laredo. Laredo. Yes, and That's actually cool the dog was from Texas. The dog's daddy was from Texas, from Laredo, Texas. Its first name was Laredo. Hmm. The dog's first name was Laredo. It, it started getting confused with Laredo and Whoa. That's right. So we had to change you rename it. I can't remember what its name. I was like something. But didn't we call it Gunner? I think is what it was. Gunner. Gunner. Yep. Gunner. Yep. Uh, in the bird world, the dog has to understand what the word Whoa means. When it points, you have to tell it to Whoa so it holds steady. And whenever you say Laredo and Whoa, it was getting confused confused gotcha. with the word the long o sound so we've learned since then we don't name any of our dogs with a lo- long o sound right for Dog, that reason dogs listen to the tone of your voice and your body language way more than the actual words so that that o that tone that o and laredo that makes sense and that, you, you never want to think you know think about things like that s s is a good a good uh na- a good start out name like sniper shooter uh, Stinger. Are you just Stinger. naming off your dogs now? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Viper. The, the, the S sound, dogs pick up on it very well. So yeah. they, uh, it, we, we try to name the dog with an S sound. So, huh. so they pick up on it. That's pretty smart. I never really thought about it that way. Go, going back to what he asked you, the, the, your first hunt, do you, you probably don't remember the first hunt, but do you remember what your feelings were going into that first hunt? Yeah, I uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I wasn't a bird hunter. I was a coon hunter. So, yeah. um, I mean, I've had dogs all my life, beagle dogs, coon dogs, but I never owned a bird dog. So, yeah, it was, uh, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but we kind of just did things on trial and error. And uh, some of them was, some of the hunts when we first started was, what we would consider now horrible. <laughs> we we but started out with a pointer, correct? We started out with a pointer only. So uh, when the pointer would point the bird, we were the flushers. Yeah. So we had to step it in front of everybody with a shotgun, which and, is, and flush the bird, which is not good when you don't know the guy. Yeah, yeah. Don't know where that's right. From, don't know that's their terrifying. It was a lot of laying on your belly with your ear to the ground <laughs> <laughs> and praying <laughs> and praying you didn't get shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since then, we've learned to use, uh, utilize uh, flush dogs. So whenever the point pointer points, the flush dog is in ahead of the pointer, and the pointer understands its job is to hold tight. The flush dog is in ahead of the pointer and makes the bird fly. That flushes the bird. How long did it take you to figure that out? Did somebody tell you that? Or no, I don't know really how we did how, figure that. We just I know how we how we got the flush dogs. Sure. It was because we had. Uh, Jack and Sparky. Oh. They were they were two little fluffy house dogs that my mom bought. Jack Russell Terrier. Jack Russell Terrier mixes, but they were longer haired. Jack but and it, Sparky. Anyway, their <laughs> name was Jack and Sparky. And one one hunt, one of the dogs, one of those two went along. 
the dog went on point, and Jack ran in there and flushed it, and they shot. And I, we thought, wow, that's a lot safer than yeah. us walking up there and flushing it. So that's what all we used for a few years. We've was killed thousands of birds over them. Jack yep. and Sparky. Jack and Sparky. And, and, Jack, and Dad used Sparky, and I used Jack. And just a quick story on Jack was Jack wouldn't listen. And if you put a shot call on him, he would run home. He would say... The heck nope. with this! I ain't going. I ain't hunting then. So you couldn't put a shock collar on him, and like I said, he wouldn't listen. So that's hilarious. And he wouldn't walk on a leash. You put him on a leash, he's done. First time you look, I clipped him, <laughs> he going home. <laughs> so I had to carry him. I carried him through the woods. <laughs> whenever the dog would go on point, I'd say, "All right, you guys ready?" And they'd say, "Yep." I'd throw Jack down. He'd run in there and flush it. And as soon as they flush it, I'd run over and pick him back up. <laughs> he wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> but the dog only did weigh 15 pounds. It wasn't like a 60-pound dog you had to carry through. The I'm just in, like, I'm, I'm the hunter. I'm walking around through. He's got, what is he doing with this dog? You want a purse for the dog, bud? Yeah, it's uh, definitely not what we do today. It's a whole no. different kind of hunt today, but. Now we have spiders. Hey, it did work, and the, and the hunters just loved those two little fluffy house dogs that we had to flush the birds. <laughs> that's uh, That's got to be a story to tell. You were headed to tell a story about you heading down into the woods whenever you were hunting with a southern guy. We we was hunting with a, a guy from southern West Virginia, and he had a real thick accent. Mm -hmm. And he always hunted with Jack and Sparky. Well, we had Jack and Sparky just completely... Wore out. They wouldn't. They couldn't hardly hunt anymore. We get clear down in the woods, three hundred yards from the house, and he says, "Hold on, hold on." I said, "What's the matter?" He said, "Where's the little dog?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Oh, he's at the house. He's wore out." He said, "We'll wait here. You go get us the little dog." <laughs> <laughs> so he marched back up to the house. And I got went, the little got dog. The little dog. <laughs> Oh, but there's, there was a lot of hunters that would come that never forgot that. In fact, there was just somebody here yesterday said, do you still have them little two little fluffy dogs? They hunted here several years ago, and they wanted to know if we still had those And, and actually, dogs. we do. We have Spark. Well, we have one of them. We have Sparky, Jack, and he's like 15 years old. Jack just passed away uh, last uh, sep September. September. Yep. Yep. yep so. He was 16, I do believe. And Sparky's in pretty good shape still. He's yeah. he's pretty built. Wow, that's insane to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back on track here. Yeah. How many birds did you kill your first year? Um, by law, I think you had to kill eight hundred. We mean you have to. You, 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 that's what you have to shoot per year to maintain your licenses. Oh, gotcha. I've never heard that before. I didn't know that. Did you fudge your numbers like to, yeah, to read 800? It wouldn't be hard to fudge numbers uh, well, if you did. Um, That's more than, what, th seven years of statute limitations? There's, uh, <laughs> there's record books that you have to keep track of. You buy every bird that you buy, every bird that you sell, how many males, how many females. So they look at your record book. So um, I don't think they're too stringent on that. But I'm not really sure. I mean, we we did have we have had wardens look at our record books, but uh, I mean, we didn't we didn't really fudge them or anything. But we thought we were like really big stuff if we shot eight hundred. Eight hundred. How, how many did you kill then? I I don't really know. I thought I think if the story I've heard before we killed nine hundred the first year. We we shot eight hundred as far as I know. I mean, right around between eight and nine hundred. Yeah. 
And we thought we were big stuff. We we were we were all stars. How many did we kill last year? Over sixteen thousand. Yeah. That's a big difference. That's big, a big, big difference. difference. Yeah, we kill eight hundred in a weekend now. Sometimes yeah. we do. Yeah. We do. Yeah. yeah, on a busy weekend. I I know there has some, been some weeks that we've shot a thousand in a week. And this is only eighteen years, right? This is our eighteenth season. Yes, two thousand four is when we opened. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Back when we started, I was uh, how old would I have been? I've been twelve or twelve or thirteen, but uh, I remember when we first first started, and I was a young kid and all excited, and I wanted to help help Dad catch the pheasants. Right? I wanted to chase them around and catch them. And he said, no, how about you just hold the door shut? That's your job. <laughs> well, fast forward to today, Dad asked me and Tucker if, if he needs our help. I said, how about you just hold the door shut? We'll get it from here. <laughs> the tables has turned just a little bit. <laughs> little did they know that I had a bungee cord on the inside of the door, and I had it bungeed shut. We never even held it. the door shut. He didn't trust you guys. <laughs> he didn't trust you one bit. One job. We didn't even trust us <laughs> to do it. Hold the flashlight. It's on a stand. <laughs> I tell the story to quite a few hunters that when Tucker first started cleaning the birds with us, he had to get a five-gallon bucket, flip it upside down, and stand on it so he was so he could reach in the sink. That's how was, little he was. I was six when I started. Correct. I believe so. Yeah. Somewhere right around yeah. that age. That explains why you can clean the bird so fast. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it a time or two. How <laughs> fast can you clean a bird? I can clean one right around six, seven seconds. Yeah. Your mom texted me. She's like, you you okay to clean birds? This is when you were duck hunting. She's like, you, can you clean the birds this weekend while Tucker? I'm like, yeah, but I'm not as fast. She's like, well, it's okay. <laughs> I, 20 minutes later, he's trying to finish one. <laughs> oh, yeah. The first one was uh, minced meat. <laughs> right through the breast. Um. Tell me some crazy stuff that's gone on here at Bullseye. Like, what's some of the the worst things you had to deal with? Well, as a as a bird farmer, bird farmers is, is a tough world. If you're going to raise your own birds, there's been occasions predation is a, is a huge problem for bird farmers. Uh, I can remember going down to feed the birds in the morning. A mink got in the pen. Two hundred dead birds laying on the ground. A mink killed the previous night. A, a mink? Is, aren't those like really small? Really small, about the size of a ferret. And they killed two hundred birds. Yeah, you're thinking of a weasel, probably. Weasels. Are Weasels are smaller. Okay. A, a uh, mink is about the size of a, a ferret. Oh, okay, we gotcha. And they just kill for fun. They don't even. I mean, they they will eat a couple of them, but they're mainly killing for yeah, fun. For, for spoiler, they huh? just yep. kill, kill, kill. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it's a it, it's a bad day. I mean, it's just a sinking feeling whenever you go down or you did a really good job of raising these birds you know they're three months three and a half four months old you can harvest them at five months and they're all land dead which a lot of people in the bird world that's number one problem that they have that and disease what do you guys do to combat that now well we uh tyson's tucker's a nuisance trapper so he uh we keep traps set Pretty much year-round for the any predator. We, we've learned over the years how the predators work. They'll run the outside of the pens, the edges of the outside of the pens. You have a trap set there, and you'll get them 
Don't gotcha. get them as they're trying to find a place but to get in. There is no way to keep them out. No, not completely. No, no. a mink, a mink could fit through a chain, chain, uh, right through the hole of a chain link fence. They could go oh, right wow. through it. I, I tell a lot of people, a mink keeping a mink out of a pheasant pen is like keeping a mouse out of your house. Yeah. If it wants in the house, it'll be in there, and a the mink oh, will wow. be in the pheasant pen if it wants in there. You hope you just catch it before it does. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Fortunately enough, the last few years we've been got them on the way in. Knock on that table right knocking, there. I'm <laughs> knocking on wood. Ah, <laughs> uh, I just thought it'd be like coyotes or anything. Like no, that. that's no. what a lot of hunters ask. Well, you probably have coyotes that get yeah. into the pens. No, that's or we hawks have never or the least of our problem. The hawk hawk will get them stirred up, and then we'll as the birds fly inside the pen, they'll catch them at the net. Mm. An owl, too. Yeah. And owls also. Tell about the owl. We've, we've had. Uh, a few years ago, we had really bad luck with an owl. It was killing one every bad. night. I mean, wow. Bad problem. One or two but, every night. You know, it's just like uh, the predation is probably the number one problem, but also you have to deal with disease because you keep, we keep somewhere around 10,000 birds in the, in the, pheasant pens and, and whenever you keep birds in close quarters with each other like that, it's just like, uh, back in the Roman days or whatever, when they first started putting people in cities, there was a plague that goes through and it'll, it would wipe out the, almost the whole population. Yeah, so yeah. It, it, there is plagues that come through. You have to deal with them. Yeah. And uh, you have to be able to recognize what the, uh, you know, what the disease is, what the problem is, and you have to deal with it from there. So the... 18 years in, you you kind of understanding, okay, that bird, you, you're starting to see signs of this bird's sick, this bird, right? Yep. Yeah, you have to be able to recognize. I would say our, our uh, farm is, is kind of worse on disease because most bird farms, they, they hatch and raise all the birds there until they sell them, and then they, they ship them out. Yeah. Or we're not only hatching and raising birds, but we're bringing birds in from all kind of other farms. So we're bringing all that disease in. You try to keep them separate? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the I best mean, we can. Yeah. yeah. It, does, but, it doesn't always work, but yeah. if you have a sickness, just because they're separated doesn't mean they won't pass it on to another pen. Because gotcha. we're walking from yeah, right them, all, them right into the, the yeah, next pen. Yeah, we step in a bird crap and walk into the next pen. Now they're all Disease carried. It, it's yeah, it's yeah. about impossible. No social distancing in, <laughs> as it pens. <laughs> yeah. But some of the, one of the worst diseases that we have had is called uh, pastorella, and that was something that was really rare. Um, we had different veterinarians look at the birds. Um, different veterinarians had done ecropsies on them, which is like an autopsy on a human, but they called ecropsies on birds. Hmm. He could not determine the reason why these birds were dying, so... We actually shipped them to uh, dead specimens to a laboratory in Georgia. And a uh, pathology lab down there discovered what, uh, what, what was wrong with them, told us what medicine to give them. Instantly, they stopped dying. Wow. Hmm. What's the symptoms of, what is it, pastorella? Pastorella. The only symptoms that we saw was dead. Dead. It was fine. That's a pretty big egg. symptom. Yeah, yeah. Perfectly looking healthy <laughs> no, no bird. No medication going to fix that. No. It was a perfectly looking healthy bird one day, and it would be dead the next. So it it actually attacks the bird's liver. Oh, gotcha. And it destroys the liver of the bird, and it just, it just, um, I did see some of them that would have, it would be like, uh, 
they would be drunk. They would stagger around or couldn't walk properly. Next day, it'd be dead. Wow. So I'm forever, ever grateful for the veterinarian clinics because this veterinarian, he could have just told me, I don't know what's wrong with him. He called me and he says, I don't know what's wrong with him, but I will find out. So, you know, for somebody to take the initiative to do that, I'm forever grateful yeah. for for them to do that. Um, real quick, uh, something else that goes wrong, uh, ice, ice and snow. Oh, yeah. I was just about to ask you, like, we're you're work you're coming into the winter time, right? So how how's that affect everything? Uh, I'll I'll let Dad explain well, what we well, what we do if we get in, if we they call for wet snow, you gotta you gotta watch the weather. They call for wet snow or ice, you gotta let the nets down. We have props in the pens that you gotta put all those props down. Let's net down to the ground. Hmm. How many props do you think there is? I'm I'm gonna say a couple hundred. Yeah, hundred like it, tea, it, it tea covers belly. a two and a half acre pen. So why do you have to uh, put them down? Well, what happens is wet snow or uh, freezing rain collects on the nets, and it makes them heavy. And then as it as it continues to freezing rain or wet snow, it builds on those nets. It makes the nets so heavy that it pushes them right through the props. Ooh. It rips, rips, it, rips, it, your rips the rips ten. I mean, we've had it happen before. We learned the hard way. We did, and uh, it ripped you know, ten, fifteen foot tears in the net, and hundreds of birds just fly out. out. Wow, fly right out. They were just right. It was out, and and I remember one <laughs> instance where me and Tucker went out after dark, and I said there was hundreds of birds out. Hundreds. It was a lot of birds. Hundreds. And you couldn't go anywhere without seeing a pheasant. They were everywhere. Oh. And uh, me and Tucker set a goal at 70. We we're going to catch 70 and we're going to put them back in. And we caught, it was hard. We'd ride on the four-wheeler and we'd find one with our flashlights. And I'd jump, we'd ride right up to it. And I'd jump off the four-wheeler and I'd net it. And uh, after like uh, 10 or 15 or 20, or I said, how are we ever going to get to 70? And Tucker said, you know how you eat an elephant? <laughs> One bite at a time. <laughs> <laughs> and we did. We caught 73 before we got too tired and quit. Okay, that makes full circle back to last week's podcast. You want to see an elephant? <laughs> <laughs> One bite at a time. <laughs> One bite at a time. That must have taken you hours. It took us, yeah, we were out until like midnight or 1 in the morning or something like that. It was, we were out late. Yeah, and that's when it got dark at 5 o'clock, so. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But that was... Uh, I was that was uh, pretty big of the boys to do that. That's that saved our preserve a lot of money. So where where are we now with Bullseye? How how's how's things going today? Well, um, the the business has gone very well. The bird uh, September we had the highest bird sales we've ever had. October I don't believe we've done the numbers yet, but I know that it was maybe the highest October we've ever had. Um, one of the main hitch hitches in the industry right now is feed cost and uh you know when you have the highest feed cost but the lowest amount of income yeah. or profit is is not a good good thing for the small businesses but uh we're we're managing but i mean with a small business with a twenty two thousand thousand dollar a month feed bill is pretty pretty hard to make it is there any end in sight for that not that I know of. No. Nope. Feed costs is, uh, I mean, 
I'm sure that uh, the fall harvest, if the, if the crops were very good this year throughout the United States, it'll bring the feed costs down. But I, I don't think there's been a, a bumper crop or a, a lot of uh, a huge yield this year. So yeah. that's going to keep the cost up. There's only one way to combat that, and it doesn't look good for you know customer satisfaction. Prices right. go up. We have to raise our prices. Yeah. As yeah. of yeah. January 1st, we're raising prices, right? December 1st. December 1st. Um, I would like to talk about, you know, what a hunt, you know, looks like it's and what we offer and everything at the preserve. Well, say, we, say I call you, book a hunt. Okay. Um, if you are, we offer ducks, pheasants, quail, as well as chuckers. Um, we offer both hunts over dogs as well as European-style shoots. Um, the duck hunts are uh, a separate, it, you know, you, first thing you want to know, you, you ask the customer what they're interested in shooting uh, and what style, whether they would like a European-style shoot. And, and the first question is, what's a European-style shoot? Well, the European-style shoot is you stand at the base of a hill in a half-moon shape all around the bottom of the hill, the birds are released from the top of a hill and you shoot as they fly over. Uh, directly afterwards, any bird that you miss, then you break into groups and you go after them uh, with the dogs. Traditional style would be hunting over dogs. The birds are released to, in the hunting area. They're provided a guide and a dog and the, the guide goes with the customers and the, the dogs find the birds and then, of course, the flush dogs flush and that's when, that's when the hunters shoot. So uh, the, the, uh, you can do traditional style hunting uh, with pheasants, quail, and chuckers. And the duck hunts, you hunt out of a duck blind, which ducks are released off-site. They'll fly to the pond. There's uh, duck blinds all along the edge of the pond, decoys on the water, and the ducks will fly into the decoys, and you shoot as they fly in. So there's several different uh, types of hunts, regardless of uh, whether you can walk all day. Uh, we've, we've accommodated quite a few different guys in uh, wheelchairs. Um, in fact, one time we've even accommodated a blind guy um, on a traditional style pheasant hunt. They asked if I was able to do it. I told them we could do it. So what we did, we zip-tied jingle bells to the bird's legs. And he followed the sound, and he shot at the sound of the birds. And he did kill one. And he did kill one. That's incredible. That that was the most satisfying pheasant hunt that I've ever been on. That yeah. is, uh, that's something Remarkable. else. We're trying we're trying to be as accommodating to everybody as much as possible. I mean, experienced hunters or beginners. If you don't even have a gun, we got we have guns for you to rent. You don't uh, have any orange? We have we have orange there to sell. Right. You we have. You don't need a hunting license. Shells, shells would be available. Yep. Yep. Sell guns, so if even if you want to purchase a gun while you're there, you can do that as well. So you guys got FFL, huh? We do. We do. That's that's a pretty big business decision there. That's good. That was uh, something that Tucker was pushing for. <laughs> yeah, that was mainly Tucker's <laughs> of course idea, he so he can get guns. The in. gun collector, so yeah. he can get them at cost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Of course he is. It's a good business decision, I think. Yeah, I, 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 I'd say so. Yeah, it says Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just get a new one like this week? Yeah. What'd you get? I got a Benelli Money Feltro silver. Engraved. I think it's sweet. It's sweet. It's got, what is that, brass uh, grouse on the side of it? Yep, yep. That thing's engraved 
grouse. Yep. Yeah, that thing's pretty sweet. <laughs> how well, many? How many guys can you take in a group? We can take up to six in a group for traditional style. The duck hunts, I believe, we can probably hold up to twelve. Uh, if we're doing a European style shoot, we can do it as small as six. As many we've had, as many as forty-four in a group. For the forty-four. Group. And it sounds like World War Three. Sounds like the Fourth of July. <laughs> <laughs> it. Uh, I. How do you do that? Because there's only what ten. There's ten stations. Ten stations. You can shoot two guys to a station, so we would shoot twenty at one go. Then they would step out of the shooting station. Two guys that was with them would step in, and then they shoot, and then you'll rotate, rotate hmm. stations. That's a lot of birds. Yeah. And it sounds kind of like uh, shooting a fish in a barrel, but these birds are so high, they're almost out of shotgun range. So it takes six to ten guys to shoot at it to get it to come down. It's a challenging shot, and it's fun when you have a big group of guys and you're all having fun together. It's it's perfect for big groups. Perfect uh, for big groups. Corporate, yes. corporate, big group, big family. Corporate outings, stuff yeah, like that, yes. There was a group of guys sitting on the bench outside the clubhouse this week in uh, – they asked me, what, what are those guys doing on the hill? I'm like, oh, that's a European style shoot. They're like, what's that? I'm like, it's like shooting a fish in a barrel with your friends. <laughs> it's, it's a lot <laughs> well, of fun. Well, that's not what it is. It's not what it is. It's way harder than you it, think. If you was to do it, you would understand. It's, it's a very difficult shot. Yeah. But uh, High and what, fast. You, if, if you like to shoot a lot, and if you have a big group, that especially if you have uh, older gentlemen or gentlemen, people that are not used to walking a lot, that would be the style of hunt to do. You get to shoot a lot. You stay with your friends. You can heckle each other for missing or <laughs> whatever for whatever reason. But uh, it's a it's a group building exercise for like a lot of corporate hunts whenever they come. Uh, you you also get uh, rounds of trap with that, and you get a meal with it. Free cleaning is included with the package, so it, it's a it's a package deal, and it's a, it's very popular with, with within our. Uh, Within the preserve, it's the best bang for your buck, I think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Let's talk about the traditional hunts a little bit more. Um, You know, okay, for a person that doesn't know, well, what's it look like when you, okay, you said you release the birds in the hunting area and then you have a guide and a dog. Well, the hunting area has has been set up specifically for bird hunting. Um, the, it's in a lightly wooded area, which has shooting lanes cut with, you know, the trees have been cut. Um, and also there is a trail that's brush hogged every fall. So each, each hunter will get it, get their own trail and everybody walks parallel through the cover while the dog hunts back and forth and between them. And once he finds the bird, then it'll freeze. Yeah. It'll go on point and we'll move all the hunters up. Ask them, you know, you, you know, make sure they're ready, yep. and then we send in the flush dog and flush it, and then it's a free for all for there. I'm, <laughs> whether they get it or not, we uh, we've seen really good shots and we've seen really bad shots. So <laughs> Fe- pheasants are kind of if we'll do our best to try to get you shots at every one of them, if not two, a couple shots at every one of them, but they're not guaranteed. If you if you put out ten, you pay for ten. Um, they if they fly off the property they're they're gone but as in a duck hunts if you order 10 you kill 10 so you're guaranteed yeah if you miss enough. a duck 
it so, will so send you another deck. Explain that a little bit more, because I didn't know that when I first started. As for the traditional style pheasant hunts, whenever you you pay for what's released, basically. So what that means is you you pay for ten birds. We're gonna put ten birds out, and you're paying for ten. But with a duck hunt, we're gonna throw them until you get ten, right? Correct. I mean, if you if a duck comes down and you shoot and miss it completely, it'll land somewhere close. And uh, that night we'll be able to get it back into the pen because they're all raised there on the water. They're all you be able to. They stay. We heard them in a pen at night, so they're all raised there on the water. And if you miss them, they come right back. Okay, yeah, so the pheasants. If you miss that pheasant, we're not getting it back. It's, it's gone. gone. You're, it's you're gone. paying for it. Gotcha. Ducks are like a homing pigeon. They will go home every evening. They go to roost. <laughs> and since we raised them in the building that we keep them in, they will go there every evening. So. We open the doors. The ducks go in the in the in the facility where we have them. We lock the doors that way the predators don't eat them at nighttime. And if you miss that duck, it'll come back, put it back in the building, shoot at it again the next day. Yeah, the pheasants. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you know you you do pay for your, what your what's released, but uh, and it sounds like oh like you might get ripped off. But um, we try really really hard to get you shots at all ten of them. And and like today, I put out thirty and. I probably found 35, and we killed 33. 33, yep. So there's days like that, too. So what happens if you, you shoot that many more? If you go over what you ordered, then you, you can you just have to pay for them. Um, and now those birds are just ones that other people have missed, and they kind of didn't fly correct. where they stayed in the same And, and uh, so people ask me, what if we go over what we ordered? Well, you have to. it'll just be added to the bill. The, if you were a member... You would get to shoot those extras for free. What's uh, what's a member like? What's a membership? Memberships. There's there several different packages, and we did it that that way because some people want to shoot twenty a winner, some people want to shoot one hundred and ten a winner. So there's different size packages, and there's there's actually four different size packages. If you want to uh, say our beginning beginner package, it comes with the uh, uh, when, you, when you sign up for the membership, you get 20 pheasants or 30 chuckers or 45 quail, or you can get a mixture of as long as it has equal value. Okay. You get a night stay in the cabin, um, two rounds of trap, which would be uh, 50, 50 clays, and any bird that previous hunters missed, like T- Tyson mentioned, uh, if you shoot those while you're hunting, then those, those birds are free. You have uh, 365 days from the day that you sign up to use your package. So, and there are some people, you know, a lot of corporate guys or whatever, they're they're planning on bringing clients over to entertain them for the for the weekend. Uh, they may buy a 110 bird package. So each package goes up from from 480, and it goes goes on up from there. But it, it does work out really well, and, and it's a saving for somebody that comes repeat customers yeah you do save money on the memberships i see a lot of the of the same faces come around too oh absolutely we uh, that that's very important to us we we don't want people to come just one time there we want to see people come over and over and over repeat customers repeat business is 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 how you keep your business alive yeah Yeah, i see familiar faces every weekend yep yep and we actually have a some regulars and we have one regular in, in uh, particular comes every other weekend hunts. 
So um, we're always happy to see him. Shout out to Bob. Bob. <laughs> oh, Bob Polek. Oh, yeah. I've hung with him a couple times. Yeah. Great guys. Great guys. Oh, yeah. I think that was your first hunt, actually. It was. Guided. Yep. yep. First time I guided, and then uh, I, hunted, I guided him not this weekend, but the weekend before. Yep. Always comes moonshine and cigar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we like to see Bob. <laughs> Well, I think we're winding down here, guys. Yep. What are you starting to wrap it up? What are you guys thinking? You gonna be hunting? Anybody gonna be hunting? You're done. You're done deer hunting, Dad. I'm done. I'm ready for Thanksgiving Day rabbit hunting. It's coming up quicker than you. Thanksgiving Day rabbit hunting, huh? Every day. Or every every Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day. Every Thanksgiving (laughs) Day. Sorry. Yeah, every Thanksgiving. You still have rabbit dogs? No, I don't. I'm waiting until my kids get old enough to rabbit hunt. I'm getting another pair of beagles. I'm super excited about it. What are you going to do? Kick the brush? Nobody even has, you know, he has a beagle. I was just about to ask him that. How are you going to find a rabbit? Well, Elliot's always had beagles before, but he got rid of, he got rid of his beagle dogs. And I have had several conversations with him that, are you going to have beagles for this, this Thanksgiving? Because if not, I'm going to go get beagles. And he said that he's going to borrow someone's beagles to go for oh this God. Thanksgiving. It's not going to be <laughs> ideal, but at least we can carry the traditional one for this year. Me and, me and Tucker's ready for the Thanksgiving chaos. Everybody yeah. shows up at Bullseye for a pheasant hunt. Sometimes family. there's... Big group of family. All, all family. Cousins, uncles. Uh, sometimes there's 20, maybe 25. <laughs> and that's only half of them because the other half goes rabbit hunting. Yeah, right. When I was little, everyone went rabbit hunting, but the family just got so big and... So we we kind of split, split in a couple groups now, yeah. but but even even the folks that show up to to pheasant hunt on the preserve, we still break them into groups. Yeah, yeah. we'll break into two so. different groups. Go hunt. I'm looking forward to some uh, pumpkin pie, some peanut butter pie. Mm. I'm looking forward to the food. <laughs> Those big guys, huh? Yeah, I want some fresh dinner rolls. <laughs> Man, I can smell them. <laughs> Don't, Tyler. You're making me hungry. <laughs> well, speaking of hungry, I think we're going to go eat, huh? Yes, we're going to go actually have that deer, that some, some deer steaks tonight, some back straps, uh, that dad shot, thanks to Matt Peters. <laughs> yeah. Dad hijacked a tenderloin, so we don't even get any tenderloin. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, boys. <laughs> That's all right. So, uh, yeah, uh, check us out on Spotify and uh, keep an eye out for us. Uh, we're going to come out with an episode every other every other week, so... Yep. So like Tyson said, Spotify, look up uh, Triple T Outdoors podcast on Spotify um, on Facebook as well. Uh, we have Facebook page, Triple T Outdoors podcast on Facebook. Follow us. We have an email also. It's called uh, OutdoorsTTT at gmail.com. Um, be a friend. Tell a friend. Um, get our name out there, man. Um, I can't wait to hear from you guys and uh, talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. See you.